Well, good morning. I trust you all, all of you had a good Christmas. And um, Matt asked me a couple weeks prior to Christmas if I'd be willing to help out this Sunday, and I agreed to do so. And as Christmas got closer and closer, I began this process of wrestling, deciding, realizing I'll be speaking to you folks the Sunday after Christmas, so it's also New Year's Eve, so what do we talk about, you know? And uh, I was kind of in a tug. Do we, do we address what has been experienced over the past year, celebrate God's goodness to us, pro- projecting what could be, an, uh, I guess, a very optimistic and hopeful outlook in 2018, or do we kind of just stay with Christmas for a while longer? I'm going to keep you in suspense. Because first thing I want to do is pray, and then maybe God will tell me what we're supposed to do this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, you're so good to us. You have favored us in a very special way in coming to us, coming to us in the flesh, dwelling among us, giving to us a pathway to righteousness, holiness, becoming our salvation, promising to us a victory over all the things that come against us as we claim Jesus Christ. We celebrate, Lord, your birth, and we reflect on it this morning as to what that really means to us as followers of Jesus Christ, what it means for us as a church. Lord, may we be very focused on your word this morning, what you want to say. Let us listen carefully to the Holy Spirit, as you would penetrate our hearts and open our ears that we may be receptive to your truths. Shape us by the truth of your word, the living word, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, um, I think the first thing I want to do is get this New Year's thing out of the way. And, and just a couple of words, uh, so a few words of advice as you might be going through the exercise of preparing your New Year's resolutions. I'm going to tell you how effective they really are. One, and I don't know who, who, where I got these. these. This is anonymous quote, so I can't blame anybody for these. But the first one says, a New Year's resolution is something that goes in one year and out the other. And another one that you may want to hold on to is that many people look forward to the new year for a new start to old habits. And I'm convinced that probably many of us will be uh, ready to give up some things, but quickly recover them as we go into the new year. But I really wanted to dwell on the Christmas story. That's where I want to land this morning. Um, I want to read to you a passage of scripture. It'll be projected up here on the screen from Luke 2, verses 8 through 20, a very familiar part of our Christmas story, if you want to follow along. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. So, what happens after Christmas? I, I'm guessing that many of you might agree with me. <laughs> that there, there seems to be a sense of a real letdown after the eventful day has passed. Kind of uh, a funky feeling, if that is a word, I don't know, but just not into it. The joyous noises of cheerful greetings that filled our homes as family and friends came to help us celebrate the holiday. The excited voices of children as they tore into the packages to see what might be there for them as a gift. The laughter around a table that's laden with uh, Christmas goodies and Christmas dinner. All that's kind of been put off to the side. It, it ha- it's happened. The outdoor lights are coming down. Jan and I were driving home last night and recognized there weren't as many Christmas lights on last night as there were Christmas Day and before. Also noticed that um, those, those air-filled Christmas characters are all wilted and deflated laying there in the front. I think it's the most pathetic thing in the world, you know. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, but the Christmas carols and the holiday music isn't being played anymore in the stores or doctor's offices as you wait <laughs> your turn. Clearance prices indicate that it's a sell-off for Christmas. It's, it's something past. It's old. Let's move on to something new. And again, something else we noticed just the other day is uh, Christmas has been cleared out to make room for what? Valentine's Day. Yeah. Another holiday to celebrate. Even the Salvation Army kettles and bell ringers are gone. We are forced to slide back into our routines and move on for the fact that Christmas is over. Get back to the routines. This year, doing what I normally do every Christmas is just kind of read through the Christmas story as it's portrayed in the Gospels. I did it this year with something particularly in mind that I I just wanted to review or or recover for for my own self. And that is to take note of the reaction of those recorded in the scriptures, those who actually had the encounter with the Christ child. And I, and I wanted to know, 
what happened after they had seen Jesus. And uh, I notice, and I'm sure just the text that we've already read portrays it quite clearly, that there's some changes taking place um, when uh, someone has encountered the Christ. And uh, it wasn't any different for those who were there for that first Christmas. I noticed that there was a change of behavior, there's a change in attitude, and there's a change in thought of those who had seen the Christ child. Changes that seemed to linger and not too quickly passed, not too quickly to be lost, seemed to be around for a while. In the passage that we read this morning, clear examples of some major changes in attitude and behavior and thought as we just kind of go through this, uh, this narrative about our, our shepherds. Um, their emotions certainly were rattled <laughs> as they're sitting there in the stillness of a night, something they do every night, sitting there watching sheep sleep. Real exciting life. Their drowsy, monotonous duty would be shaken with the appearance of a light that would just crash the darkness. A voice that would speak so loud that there wasn't anything even imaginable close to stillness or quiet. From from monotony, from boredom, (laughs) to fear. What in the world? From fear... To wonder, and to wonder, to amazement. Amazement at this, this proclamation, this, this amazing good news of great joy. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And not only news for me as a shepherd, but for all people, for all nations, from amazement to awe, as the heavens is burst open with a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And from awe to belief. I love this. It, it, it just didn't dawn on me until I, I went back and read it this year. This, this statement of the shepherds, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. That's a statement of faith. If you read the verses, it doesn't say, let's go to Bethlehem and see if, if, if this thing happened. <laughs> let's go and see it for ourselves because it has been proclaimed that it has happened and we believe it. They went with haste. Shepherds, typical stride of a shepherd is plodding along behind some lazy sheep. But their pace is quickened. There is some zip in their steps as they're heading off to Bethlehem. They're anxious to be engaged, to be involved in the things that God is doing. They want to be a part of it. And when they saw it, They made known this saying that had been told them concerning this child. When they had saw it, it gave them the the credentials, it gave them the credibility that the very thing they believed in took place. 
It was just as God said, as it was communicated to, him, to them by the angel. Their pilgrimage would be from where they were to be where they were supposed to be in the presence of Christ. Upon seeing what had been told them, they could now testify toward the truth of who this child is and what he's all about. What, what he's all about. They knew him by going there and seeing for themselves the very thing that the angel said, this is the Savior, this is the Christ, this is the Lord. No doubt in their mind. How long they stayed there by the manger, I don't know that any of us could imagine, except I'm sure they were in any hurry to get back to watch over some sleepy sheep. It needs to be recognized that the return trip back to their routine of life after encountering the one that was promised by God was filled with emotions that possibly they've never been able to express before. Because, again, we read in the text, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And I don't, I don't know how you can be quiet when you're praising God, how you can be quiet when you glorify God. So I imagine their return home would have probably been perceived and heard by others. They, they were probably making a little bit of noise going back to their sheep as to what they had just encountered. In, in this all too familiar, let me stop here for a minute. I've I, I got to share a, just a, an, an occasion in my life. that it just, it just came to me as I'm reading this story. I had an opportunity to, to visit uh, the Holy Land uh, several years ago. Um, and we went to Bethlehem. And this was before Bethlehem became an imprisoned city by, by walls that separate the Jews from the Palestinians from the Christians. This was the, the open plains of Bethlehem. Uh, and and we, we got off the bus, <laughs> and we're standing on this open field looking right down on the city of Bethlehem. And I'm thinking, my, my goodness, it was, it was daylight. I, I, I couldn't imagine what it would have been like at, at night. But I thought, wow, can you imagine just sitting there and all of a sudden the skies just explode, pointing to the place where the Savior the long-awaited Savior, Jesus Christ, Christ the Messiah, the promised Lord, had been born. There was a cave there. There was a cave right there where I was standing. And I, I was kicking around in the dirt, just kind of mulling over this, this, this fantastic view. And I came across a piece of pottery, a, a shard of, of pottery, and I decided that time right then and there, that was the, a piece of pot that the shepherds used that night when they were waiting for Jesus. I brought that home with me just because it was a, a reminder of how simple their life was, how routine their life was, how ordinary their life was, and how interrupted <laughs> their life was when God wanted to let his people know that Jesus has been born. That was an extra. I just threw that in there. 
In this all too familiar passage, something that we've read Christmas after Christmas after Christmas, there is truly, I think, a a storyline here as to how we need to approach Christmas and also how we are to move on after Christmas. What happens to us after we go through this exercise of actually setting time aside to observe what we celebrate as being the birth of Christ? What does that mean to us when we focus on the fact that we are celebrating the birth of the Savior, of the Christ, of the Lord, the very thing that was proclaimed to the shepherds? What does that mean to us? How we approach Christmas has so much to do with how we are going to move on from Christmas. Now, we're already past Christmas. So now, what are we going to do? Well, maybe we need to reflect on what some others did. As truly, they approached Christmas with this in mind. They wanted to see this thing that has happened. They wanted to confirm in their mind and their hearts that this is what the Lord wants to make known to us. And I believe as we wrap up this celebration in the context of a season, Christmas, we need to move on as people who have confirmed in their hearts that we have seen, we have heard of what, what God has done to the birth of their son, his son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. If we truly approach Christmas with this thought to see that which has happened, that which the Lord has made known to us, our routines will never be the same. Guaranteed. And, and the evidence before us right here is just, you just read about the shepherds. But I, I want to take a moment or two to point to two or three other examples of how those who had been told or made what was made known to them about the birth of this child, how it changed them. The shepherds, it's pretty obvious. How about some wise men? What the Lord had made known to them, the birth of the king of the Jews. Huh. We don't know when that came to the realization, but their pilgrimage began, prior, began sometime prior to even the birth of Christ or at the birth of Christ and took a, 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 a number of months or maybe even years before it, it was completed by arriving there at the house in Bethlehem. They wanted to see this thing that had happened. They wanted to pursue that which the Lord had made known to them. The Lord had made known to them about a star. The Lord had made known to them about a journey to Bethlehem. The Lord had made known to them about the birth of the king of the Jews. And they find themselves, as we read in the Gospel of Luke, in the house and seeing the child with Mary. They bowed bowed down and worshipped him. The Lord had made known to them that this child is worthy of, of their worship. And we read on. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. 
It was made known to them that this child was worthy of their earthly treasures. And it was made known to them through a dream not to go back to Herod, as Herod wanted to kill this child. Instead, they returned to their country by another route. It was made known to them to go home a different way. Now, I don't want to read anything into that last statement of choosing a different route or a different way to return home. But what it says to me personally is that as I approach Christ to discover what the Lord wants to make known to me, and I have that encounter with Jesus Christ, I cannot go back the same way I came. I got to go back a different way. Because Christ does that transforming work in your life. You can't go back to what you were. You, you, you go a new direction. You, you take a new course in life because it's following Christ and Christ alone. You read on through the Gospel of Luke, you're going to come across a man named Simeon. Simeon was a righteous and devout man. And a man who was waiting longingly for the promised one, the one that was to redeem Israel. And it happened. As the Holy Spirit came upon Simeon, Mary and Joseph were coming into the temple to deal with their purification. Forty days had passed, and they had to bring their burnt offering and and their sin offering. And just to illustrate how poor this couple was, they couldn't afford the lamb and the dove or the lamb and the pigeon. It was going to be two pigeons or two doves is all they had. But as they're coming to make this sacrifice, Simeon sees them and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And, and, and he, he reaches out and takes the child and listen to what this man says. He's not recorded as being a prophet, but listen to these words. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Does that sound familiar? That's the very thing that the shepherd said. Savior, salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. The same thing that the the, uh, angels said to the shepherds, for all peoples, all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory glory to your people Israel. Simeon found himself in a different position, a different place after encountering Christ. He was a man who had been waiting We don't know how long for the one that was promised. And upon this encounter, he can say, now I can leave this life with the peace of God in my heart, knowing it has been fulfilled, the promise has been fulfilled. To be able to say, this life doesn't matter as much as what I have now found in Christ and Christ himself. And it's not by coincidence that as Simeon is making this proclamation of who this child is, there's this woman, and she is a prophetess, and her name is Anna. And, and, and she is happen, happens to be in the company of Simeon as he's making this proclamation. She hears his words. And, and he, she's 84 years old. Anybody here over 84? Old people heard the message. <laughs> 
And it changed her life forever. She was a widow. She was in the temple. She fasted and prayed day and night. And upon hearing the proclamation of who this child is, she becomes one who testifies and tells others about Christ, about the one that was promised, about the one to redeem Jerusalem. Life isn't the same after you have an encounter with the living Lord. Christmas today is not that much different from the first Christmas that was observed over 2,000 years ago. Jesus was born in conditions so similar to our own. In the time of Christ, there was a dominating world power that had supreme influence over the economy of the world, over social norms, over political agendas, over military governances. It was a pagan world, characterized by an appearance of spirituality while accommodating the practices of multiple religions and the worship of many, many gods. A cultural acceptance of shameful immorality. Not that much different between the two times. While the promise of a Savior for Israel was foretold hundreds of years before Christ was born, and even on the, the night of his birth proclaimed again, and what stuns me, what stuns me, Herod, the king of the Jews, calls his, his priest in to advise him about the, the news of this newborn king. And, and they pointed out to Herod where it's taking place and what he's all about. Herod, the king of the Jews, who, if he truly would listen to what the priest was saying, would surrender his throne to Jesus. But no, he wants to do him in. He didn't want anything to do with Jesus. He wants him gone. I don't know if you've been watching the news any time recently about the, the movement of atheists against Christmas, billboards going up to post positions against Christmas. There's a world out there that doesn't like Jesus. Times aren't all that different. And so the proclamation's been, been made centuries before, at the time of, and even after, who this child is. And his arrival was missed by most. I, I want to share with you, a te- I guess, a testimony of praise. Uh, as I... Uh, I really wanted this Christmas for me, <laughs> selfish as I am, I wanted this Christmas for me to be more than just the passing of a day of observing all the good things that make Christmas fun and joyful and happy, pleasurable, comfortable, fulfilling, all the things that satisfy. I wanted this Christmas to be more than that. I, I, I wanted to capture that, those words that would linger with me, to keep me in tune with what has taken place, of what God has made known 
to me in the birth of Christ. It's our family tradition to read a section of the Christmas story before we open the presents or anything like that at all. And chose to read this passage that we looked at this morning. Uh, our kids are there and grandkids, and so we, we read the passage. And, and I, I shared a few of the... I, I gave them a sneak preview of the sermon, just you know, kind of floated out there to see how it was going to go. They nodded approval, so that's why we're here today. And uh, just pointed out that when Christmas comes and we have that encounter with Christ... We, we leave the season differently than we entered it. And I just wanted to make that point. And uh, the day passed, and we had all our fun and, and enjoyment and sharing together. It was a great, great Christmas yesterday. And um, late in the afternoon, my son calls. He's on the phone. We're driving along. Jan puts him on speakerphone because you're not supposed to talk on the phone you're driving. So puts him on speakerphone. And... And Wayne says, Dad, I want to let you know that I've barely been thinking about the, the scripture that you shared this morning and some of the things you said. Boy, does that make a dad feel good, you know? The kid listens to you. Woo! Then he went on. He said, you know, I kept on thinking about it, and, and, and something that really caught my attention was those who saw Jesus he said, the shepherds, they were the first to see Jesus. And what did Jesus do? But he became a model of, what, of those who visited his, his manger, shepherds. It's referred to Jesus, it, Jesus referred to in Hebrews as the great shepherd. Jesus shepherds his people, his flock. And, I, oh, that's, and then he goes on, he says, and you know what else? The kings, the kings come and, and, and the kings recognize who Jesus is. And what, and what does Jesus become? The king. The king of all kings. Lord of all lords. <laughs> Needless to say, I got a little excited. When this, the, 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 I guess the development of the Christmas story was beginning to full unfold within our, our desire to understand or appreciate more and more and more of what happened when Jesus was born. The story is huge. And we don't want to miss it. I hope that we can leave this Christmas season, but not lose the Christmas story. I hope that we'll take with us what God himself chose to make known to you and to me. Now, this may seem out of place, but I want to complete the message with a resolution. New Year's resolution. This is actually a resolution. Two resolutions. Written by Jonathan Edwards. Listen to what he resolved. Resolution one. I will live for God. Resolution two. If no one else does, I still will. Amen. Amen.